listener, you're tuned in to a very special comedy clubhouse. Uh, there was a terrible loss in the comedy community on October 11th. Uh, Daphne Dorman committed suicide. It's a very, very sad uh, event and uh, poignant to many of us. And your host of the night is a kind, amazing, wonderful person that wanted to put together uh, a show to memorialize uh, Daphne Dorman and to raise funds for suicide awareness in San Francisco and also for Daphne Dorman's family. She has family that she left behind and we're trying to raise money for that as well. But right now, clap your hands together for your host who put it all together. It's Alessandra. Yay. Yay. Hi, you guys. Hello. Welcome to Suicide Isn't Funny. And we're going to try to make it funny tonight. We're going to try to give it some light on the subject because um, it's definitely one of those things that, you know, you're better off when you fail at it. That's really when you're really successful. Yeah, you want to like, <laughs> yeah. So uh, we have a bunch of amazing uh, comedian tonight here at the radio, Mutiny Radio. And uh, yes, as Pam said, we're trying to raise money for Daphne Dorman's family and uh, raise awareness about suicide. And so if you go to Mutiny Radio, there is a page about this event and there is all the links for you to go and donate. And um, this show was created, yes, to create some fun for Daphne family. And we're gonna bring some um, beautiful light and fun and maybe some darkness on this subject tonight. We're gonna start with our first comedian. Are you ready, Harness? Yes, <laughs> we're ready to have our first comedian, Ernest Evangelista. Ooh, clap it up for Ernest. Thank you, darling. He is the dead man. Yay, thank you, Alessandra. Um, my nails are still drying because I wear nail polish for this event. Um, Daphne always had beautiful na nail polish on her fingers. Uh, I could tell because, uh, fingers in the butt joke. I don't know. Um, hmm. What do we do, man? What, we, what are we doing about the suicide? Like, it's a very sad topic to talk about. You know, I had many people kill themselves in my life, mainly because I was in it. Um, no, 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 it's a, it's a good thing. My grandma's happy now. No, she's not. Uh, I don't know. But yeah, man, honestly, yeah, we should, we should keep it on a lot. I don't... I don't, I'm not a big favor of suicide. I'm not a thing, I don't think that's a good option. Mainly because I don't want people, I think all of you guys should suffer. <laughs> you guys are all bad. You shouldn't escape this bad life, man. What gives you the right? No, that's not good. Um, suicide. The thing about suicide, it is a pretty fun option. You know, to your problems. But it's the last option, you know? Like, it seems like a cool thing to do at the moment. It's like drugs. It's like, hey, man, you, you try this suicide. It's pretty cool. All the cool people are doing it. But, like, it's the, you only get to get high once. 
You only get to go Kurt Cobain one time. <laughs> Thanks, Kurt Cobain. Um, but yeah, man, it's like, uh, wouldn't it be cool if suicide, you could do it multiple times, you know? Like, if it, was, if it was just, like, you could, like, just, like, throughout the day, just kill yourself. Like, you just came back. Let's say you're getting called out at work during the meeting. And he's like, you didn't file the paperwork right. Well, fuck you. And you just jump out the window. And then you just, you're out the day. And then you just, you don't have to listen to it. I don't know. Maybe your girlfriend is arguing about... The toilet seat again because you threw up on the toilet seat. But then you could just. But I'm. I killed myself. Okay. Um. No, that's not good. Uh, man. Honestly, like, uh, is there any a good way? Is like, is there a good reason to kill yourself? There's. That's the thing. There's not a real good reason to kill yourself. Uh, the only good reason to kill yourself, I was thinking, is if you were to assassinate a sitting Republican president like John Wilkes Booth. And that's the reason why I wear this mustache like this. I curl it because I'm going out like John Wilkes Booth assassinating Republican president. I don't know, guess which one. Um, hmm. The problem is, like, the the people who you want to kill themselves don't, you know? Bad people never kill themselves because they care a lot about themselves, you know? Like, they're like, it's like people you hate don't care that you hate them, you know? Like, it's like they have no more, they don't like, you, you, no matter how bad you make, like, they're like, so what? And they just live their lives. It's the people who get convinced that the world hates them, that they start to hate themselves, you know? Like, they hate themselves so much that they want to kill themselves. So, honestly, you should just stop listening to people. Don't listen to what your mom tells you. Like, I wish I got aborted. Don't listen to that. Even though it would have saved a lot of money. Uh, it's okay, man. I don't know. And... Like, when it comes to suicide, when it comes to suicide, man, like, unless you're, like, a really cool-ass, like, music artist, or you're on heroin, you know, like, it's like, yeah, your music isn't going to get better. <laughs> like, if, if, like, Lil Bow Wow killed himself, we're not going to go back to those albums, are we? Um... But I don't know, man. It's a, it's a, it's a dark thing, cause like, I feel like I feel like killing myself sometimes. I feel like that, and the reason why is because I have a brain injury, right? And my brain, the good part of my brain is like this shit doesn't work anymore, so I should kill it. You know, it's like I should stop. Okay, I'm going a real dark path. You ever thought like? The problem is, like, it's also drugs. I took drugs a lot. The first time I took shrooms was when I got that brain injury. And I was, like, bleeding out my ear. And I almost died. And I always thought if I take shrooms, I thought I was going to talk to God. Apparently, when I talked to God, God got mad at me and slapped the shit out of me. 
and caused me to bleed out of my ear and crack my skull. So he taught me a lesson that day. Is I should take more shoot? No, I should not. Um. Yeah. So I've been uh I've been sixty days sober. Yeah. I've been sixty days officially two months. This is now the third month, and yeah, now I now I can't kill myself with drugs. All I have are guns. Um. But yeah, man, I had to, I had to uh, stop, like doing drugs and bad things like that. Like Daphne Dorman, I too have a son or an offspring. Yeah, I had to stop doing drugs like cocaine for my son, mainly because my son stopped selling me cocaine. <laughs> he was like, I can't move this coke across the border, Dad. They keep stopping me. Let's, go, let's talk about something more sad. What about those kids across the border? What's happening with that, man? It's messed up. And also, a really cool origin movie for a superhero, Mexican superhero. Uh, kind of like the movie Wolverine. You remember Logan when he tried to help those Mexican mutant X-Men across the Canadian border? Okay, let's talk about movies. You guys watch The Joker? Yeah, he was... He should have killed himself. Holy shit. That was a fucked up. I don't know. It was it was a good movie. Keith Ledger also died. Was that suicide? Who knows? Maybe. Like, what's the difference between suicide and getting killed by Hillary Clinton? I don't know. I think that's how I'm going to go out. Um, because I'm, like, sucking Bill Clinton's dick. And then Hillary Bochin. And she's like, what the fuck? And then... And now it's suicide by death, sucking dick death. You could hear yourself by sucking your own dick. I tried. It's really sad. It's like a shotgun in your mouth, except you get to drink the bullets. Um, is my nails dry yet? Um, honestly, yeah, dude. Uh, the thing about, uh, when Daphne, this is back to Daphne Dorman, I was one of the first people that saw that suicide note on Facebook the day at night it happened. I was in a podcast late night in a strip club. Yeah, there's a podcast in the strip club I, I do. Um, we were just talking and then I, I saw, I saw that post and I, uh, tried to, I commented right away. It was like, one minute and then I have really bad internet so it's like three minutes and then like I tried to call her she didn't answer and uh yeah felt really bad also did you know that Daphne was trans I didn't I thought she was just a really hot chick I was like oh shit this girl's hot I wanted okay I missed my chance um yeah but yeah man uh, but yeah, it's, it's really, it is real shame. She had like so much potential. She had like a shout out from Dave Chappelle. That was the one when I was really like, when I saw that post and I was like, yo, a person from San Francisco got shout out by Dave Chappelle. Like that's, that's a big deal, man. That was a huge deal. And like, yeah, man, it is, it is like, yeah, like. Wasted potential. Like, potentially, she could have fucked Dave Chappelle. Um, she could have. She could have. 
Maybe, and then we can imagine that special Dave Chappelle did. Okay. Um, but yeah, man. R.P. Daphne suicide is not funny uh, unless if you're a uh, sitting Republican president. All right. You guys have a good night. Thank you, Ernest. That was awesome. Give it a one for Ernest again. Come on. Yeah, Daphne was awesome. And, uh, you know, taking your life like that is kind of a, you know, it's an act of like temper tantrum sometimes. I lost two friends from suicide in the last three years and another one from a slow suicide to cold drug addiction. So three in our three years, it's been a lot. Then, you know, and two of those were really close. And Daphne was just close to a lot of us in this community. And um, and sometimes you think, wow, those people that get it or have it more than others, and then they take their life. It's like, well, why is that such a weird thing, you know? That happened, uh, and a lot of that had happened in the famous peoples <laughs> that takes their life when you're thinking like, they had it all, why they did take their life. Anyway, um, yeah, I think taking their life is a strange thing because if it was easy, like, going like that and not having to deal with anything, but I think that if uh, something like that happened, then you're going to come back like a three-legged dog and then like a like a nerd worm and then <laughs> like some really bad things and you got to be careful those acts of craziness. His life is beautiful, and it's a great gift, and we got a next comedian that's gonna make you laugh about it, or maybe cry, we'll see that. Maybe a little laugh too. Bring a little light to Sabrina Miller. Gonna be a, I'm gonna bring a lot of enthusiasm to the show about Suicide not being funny. Uh, I, I have bipolar. I cope with bipolar. Actually, uh, the week before Daphne committed suicide, I was in a very dark place. You know, I, I do spiral downward. And it was, it was one of the worst depressive episodes that I've had in years, uh, honestly. Uh, damn um, fucking sig signals from those secret government cell towers are fucking with my synapses again. So I was... I was really depressed, so I went to see a movie to cheer me up. And so I went to see Joker. <laughs> I was like, damn, man, that's, that's like the best comedy I've seen in years. It's great. <laughs> I was like, why is everybody in the theater kind of looking at me kind of funny? Because I'm laughing. They're looking at me like I'm a single dude with, a, with, with a, like a black hoodie and a... <laughs> I was, I, this, this is true. I took the metro train home. I, I, I got on the metro train at West Portal. And uh, so there was, a, there was a couple just sitting across from me. And I, I was just thinking about the movie. And I was just, uh, and I started giggling. I got a case of the giggles. And I'm like, finally, I'm getting out of this depression. And then they kind of look at me because I, I can't stop giggling. I'm doing this. And I'm like, it's not you guys. It's nothing about you. It's just, uh, it's just I'm thinking of a joke. You wouldn't get it. That's the truth. I, that's so. Yeah. Sometimes you got to see a movie to to cheer yourself up. I don't know. Like suicide. Suicide is not funny. 
but the shit that non-depressed people say to depressed people about suicide is hilarious. I, I saw a guy once in a crowd trying to talk someone down who was at the height of despair. Height of despair is way worse than the depths of despair. That depths of despair, you go to see the Joker. The height of despair, anyway. So this guy is trying to talk this, uh, this, this gentleman down, and he says, sir, don't do it. You have so much to live for. Right back on his phone. <laughs> Swear to God. I mean, I, I, I would like to think that the guy was trying to send the, the guy at the height of despair uh, maybe an inspirational meme of some sort. He was trying to friend him on Facebook, I hope. Like my page, hey. But like, really, like, don't be an asshole. Don't say, don't do it. You have so much to live for. You don't say that to a jumper. You say that to a friend who's thinking of working at an Amazon warehouse. <laughs> Don't do it. You have everything to live for. Maybe say that to an aspiring comedian. It's like, it's like, uh, uh, Sabrina, do you have any advice about getting into stand-up comedy? It's my first set. I'm like, yeah, don't fucking do it. Get out while you can. It's too late for me. I've been doing it for over three years. I can't live without it now. You know, it's like every, I have to go up on stage to get all this shit out of my head. It's all rattling around in my head. I have to get it out. I've got to get, get my serotonin and dopamine levels boosted. You know, it's like vitamins. No, it's like vitamin comedy or something. It's like, uh, it's like a supplement to my, to my antidepressants. That's what it is. Um, uh, boy, I once had a therapist tell me to do the opposite of depression. Can you believe that? Swear to God, you ever had a therapist like after four months tell you, tell you to do the opposite of depression? I'm like, shit, I thought it was going to take him six months to give up. Four months? Really, dude? Fucking Anthem Blue Cross only gets you so much. Um, and I wanted to say to him, I wanted to say to him so bad, like the opposite of depression is why I'm here. I tried mania. <laughs> 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 It didn't work out very well for me. Mm. It's like, look through, look back through your notes, dude. Just look back through your notes. Guys, have you ever been so bipolar that you tried to buy a sailboat with a Walmart credit card? Have you ever done that? I'm lying. I didn't try to buy a sailboat with a Walmart credit card. No, I tried to buy a house in San Francisco. <laughs> <laughs> crazy. <laughs> She's crazy. The opposite of depression. I, suicide is not funny, but, you know, I think... People say it's never acceptable to commit suicide. It's never okay to commit suicide. But honestly, I think there is one uh, acceptable uh, form of suicide, like uh, suicide by bar bartender. Yeah. I'm, how do you think bartenders feel about assisted suicide? I'm just curious about that. <laughs> suicide by bartender. It, that's, that's cool. Um, I don't know. Suicide. What else do I have um, about... Uh, Suicide material. Well, I don't know. I'm kind of depressed because I'm feeling older lately. Song about that. I'm just feeling depressed because, like, I can't remember the last time I was catcalled. <laughs> like, I don't know. It's like, do I do I have enough junk in the trunk? Has my junk in the trunk shrunk below a critical level? I don't know. I don't know. The last time I got catcalled was by my dentist. 
it's like the last time he was like it's like oh my god sabrina your smile is so beautiful let's say your smile is so beautiful because you've been flossing more my dentist didn't say that. I said that to my reflection in the mirror. I was like, oh my God, Sabrina, your smile is so much more beautiful because you're smiling more. Fucking guys, step up your game. You know, if you see me in the mission, maybe holler at me, say something like, damn, girl, you tall. <laughs> and then I can look in front of a, I can look in a storefront mirror. Or I can just look at, look at, look at a storefront window and be like, why, yes, indeed, I am tall. Oh my God. I think I'll go back to intimidating men. <laughs> my favorite hobby. How could I forget? So I am feeling, feeling 40. I don't, I don't look 40. I've been told that I don't look 40, right? I've been told that, but I feel 40 because my body reminds me that I'm 40 like on a regular basis. Uh, like the last time I went down on my boyfriend, <laughs> my left knee popped before he did. Yeah, barely in your 40s, guys. I don't know. 40, a friend of mine, she was very surprised. She didn't believe me. And she asked for my ID. You know, when she found out I was 40, so I gave her the ID, and then she looked at me, like, oh my God, Sabrina, I hate you, girl, I hate you. Like, I thought you were 28, 30 tops, what is your secret? The secret to youthful skin at 40, uh, it's a two-step process. The first thing you do is you just grow up closeted transgender in the South and the 80s. <laughs> yeah, and then you don't smile for a quarter century. There's a lot of facials out there to choose from, but oh my God, depression facial. <laughs> it's like the best facial ever. Laugh at my pain, be an ally, God damn it. <laughs> well, I don't know, 40, 40 is going way better than my 20s. I can honestly say 40 is going way better than my 20, 20s because I've learned to appreciate the little things, you know, like microdosing. <laughs> Microdosing. I, I love my, San Francisco is great. San Francisco is all about microdosing, you know. Uh, if you want to microdose on shrooms, we got you. If you want to microdose on acid, you know, I just go to a McDonald's parking lot after dark. I know a guy. But there's, there's this new trendy type of microdosing. I don't know if you've heard about it. It's called microdosing on monogamy. <laughs> I think that's why my boyfriend and I broke up. Mm. I should, you know, I should probably talk about PGPs. It's usually how I end a set. Um, I prefer gender pronouns are she, her, and hers. Uh, that's important. Now, my, my PGIs, there might be a couple of y'all who aren't familiar with PGIs. Those are preferred gender insults. So important, too. My preferred gender insults are cunt. And mostly just that one, so. <laughs> Very triggering word, I know. The first time a guy called me a kind, like it was very triggering. Like it triggered within me this kind of warm, satisfying feeling. <laughs> it's great. When a guy calls me a kind, it means one of two things. Either A, I've taken his parking space, or B, I've just won that argument. Ta-ha. <laughs> All right, that has been it for this con. My name is Sabrina Miller. Y'all have been great. Give it up for your host, Alessandra. Wouldn't it be nice to chase some Thank you, Sabrina. Yeah, it can get very depressing. You know, I have a daughter, 13, and uh, it's very depressing sometimes. I got my, I got the suicide hotline on speed dial. Uh -huh. Yeah, I even try to jump off the window, but I live in the first floor of a Victorian house. All I ended up was a broken ankle and uh, more depression. <laughs> it's like. Yeah, it's uh, some time in life is a bitch, but it's worth to be here. 
they are the good things. They really are. And these are also our next comedian, which is also a good things. Uh-huh. Let's sear it up for Kevin Scheller. Did I say that right? Yeehaw! Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Kevin. Uh, this is a happy night. Yes. Thank you for lying. Uh, and give it up for Sabrina, that funny cunt. Well done. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> uh, I guess we're starting out with the sad. Um, so uh, I, I knew Daphne um, before she transitioned, actually. She's the reason why I do stand-up. It's a weird thing, yeah. Yeah, insulting me until I insult myself in front of a crowd. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> No, I, I met her at a party from a mutual friend, and uh, I just wanted her to like keep talking to me because she seemed cool. And uh, she's like, what's the thing that you've always wanted to do that you've never had the gall to do? And I said, do stand-up. And she said, if you don't do it again, by the next time I see you, I'm never talking to you again. True story. <laughs> the whole reason I'm up here is because I wanted her to say hi to me again. That was the entire reason. And she hadn't even gotten hot yet. No. Uh, <laughs> She was hot then too. I don't really. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm looking around. I'm just happy I'm not the white, the only white cisgendered person here. This is great. Uh, uh, I thought I'd be a minority. As you can tell, I suffer from depression as well. Uh, mild depression, thankfully. Um, I asked for spicy, but uh, but I got mild. Uh, I had to quit drinking. I'm an alcoholic. I've been sober for three years. Don't applaud that. <laughs> that means I haven't been fun for three years. Yeah. So I've been, uh, I didn't do it through AA though. I did not go through AA because, uh, have you ever met anybody from AA? They don't know when to shut the fuck up. They don't, they don't know what anonymous means. They need a sponsor with a dictionary. Jesus. I, crack the book, you'll find it. Uh, I am a bisexual man. I am a bisexual, I don't know if you can tell I'm a bisexual white man. Uh, I'm engaged to a bisexual black woman. And uh, my dad is both racist and homophobic, <laughs> which is phenomenal, because he's very conflicted. He doesn't know if he would rather I suck white cock or fuck black pussy. It's, <laughs> it's very... It's very confusing to him. Uh, I think we should start telling the truth about things in the world. Like we should stop pretending that pandas exist. <laughs> There's no such thing as pandas. Let's just be honest with ourselves. We're glossing over the real problem of polar bear spousal abuse. It's a real thing. It's, they're just chubby. That's how they got those black eyes. It's fucked up. <laughs> Me and my fiance moved in together, and uh, we adopted a kitten, which is like a 10-year commitment, at least. <laughs> uh, she liked to say that it was uh, we were expanding our little family, and I like to think of it as I'm just hoarding all the pussy I can get. It's, it's, it's a good plan. I used, I'm happy I lived with her, because I used to live with conspiracy theorists, like Alex Jones conspiracy theorists, hardcore. Man, they flipped their shit when I told them redesigning their living room was an inside job. <laughs> Blow their 
fucking minds, man. Wake up, sheeple. Uh, can I be a proper misogynist if I'm uncomfortable asking the woman at Subway to make me a sandwich? Is that, is that a thing? Uh, uh, my nephew graduated from high school recently, and I tried to give him some life advice because I graduated a year ago. I'm 35. I've learned something by then. So I gave him two pieces of advice, and then you guys tell me if this is good advice, because I thought it was good advice. First one was, if you work at a job you love, you never work a day in your life. And the second one was, not to worry, because ugly people fuck too. <laughs> you know? Just give him a little boost. Uh, I went to a Chinese restaurant, and I had a great meal, and then I get the fortune cookie at the end, and I cracked it open, and there wasn't a fortune in it. So I went up to the guy and I said, hey, can I get another one? Mine didn't have a fortune in it. And he just looked at me and said, take the hint. <laughs> and now I'm here. <laughs> uh, I don't know why any, anyone ever screams daddy during sex. I don't get it. I always called him Father McCarthy, personally. <laughs> uh, Catholicism. Uh, I should probably start telling jokes. When I was single, I learned that there is that a microwave burrito is not an adequate replacement for a flashlight. That was a wake-up call, both really hot and really cold one. That was good. That that joke is better than you all acted. Uh, <laughs> I am an atheist. I don't believe in God. Unless I'm gambling, you know. And then I'll take anybody's help I can fucking get. <laughs> Just like start praying and hopping tables. Like, all right, seven. I guess we're doing Diwali this year. All right, let's do it. That'd be good. Being an atheist sucks, though. You don't, like, get any holidays. You don't get anything for being an atheist. You know, you get, like, I mean, you get to be right. But other than that... <laughs> Fuck, I could use the PTO. I mean, uh, have you guys seen those commercials for uh, Subaru? Like the, the They're kind of old now, I guess, but like I'm telling this joke anyway. Like, love is what makes a Subaru a Subaru. Have you seen those? The classic commercials? Yeah. I think that's true. I used to apply that uh, to my love life and what I was looking for, you know, like a tight front. Room in the trunk, foreign, able to fit me and up to four of my friends, you know. That's the cleanest, dirty joke you're going to hear tonight. Uh, yeah, I should probably start telling jokes. That'll work. Uh, I saw a woman at the mall that said that she had a t-shirt on that said, only God can judge me. I'm like, watch me, bitch. <laughs> I'm good at that. Take my hobbies. Fuck you. Uh, yeah, this is going swimmingly. I'm actually going to leave on that note because that was my best joke. <laughs> R.I.P. Daphne. Have a good night, everybody. Thank you, Kevin. Thank you, that was nice.
Um, yeah, I was uh, went to the doctor the other day, and uh, and he said, "There is anybody in your home who is in danger, or anyone's, or yourself wants to hurt yourself or hurt anybody?" I'm like, "Yeah, I want to kill my daughter. I'm sorry, <laughs> she's becoming a little bitch, and those things really does create." A lot of problems. Like sometimes I'm like, all those years of sacrificing myself for this, it's like makes you want to like really kill yourself more. Than, you know, it's like okay, I'm done with this shit. It's like yeah. So there is times that I'm really going, you know, through it. And um, yeah, I have to say that while uh, this event happened with Daphne, I was going through something. Maybe it was in the stars planetary, whatever, because it was really a heavy moment. That night, right before she left that note, in that very night, I went through an amazing dark moment. One of the darkest, the most clear about this is it, I can't. So I believe that there are sometimes uh, forces that are taking people who are more sensitive and affect them more than in others. And it needs to, we need to be very strong. And, uh, you know, because it's not just us and our personal problems, but there is really, who knows? Maybe it's just planetary. Maybe it's uh, the dark force coming through our brains. I don't know. But anyway, we got more laugh to go through, more light. More fun to go with uh, Rachel Pinson, our next comedian. She's very funny. We love her. <laughs> Here we go. Hello, everyone. Ernest, you said earlier uh, that you didn't know that Daphne was trans, that you thought she was just a hot chick. Because she was. She was a hot chick. It doesn't matter what uh, what was between us. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. What's up, guys? How are you guys doing? I know this is kind of an interesting mic because it's also like a memorial. Um, so I'm going to tell a joke. Tell me if you guys heard this one before. Why did the chicken cross the road? To get to the other side. Do you get it? Like, do you really get it? Do you like really understand? Like the chicken wanted to cross over to the other side. It was a suicidal chicken. Like this whole time, I thought that that was not an anti-joke, you know, and it probably still is. Maybe I'm reading too much into it, but the chicken wanted to cross over to the other side and then it chickened out a suicide because, you know, you don't go across the road, you go down it. Anyone who watches, any eight-year-old that watches YouTube can tell you that, like, really? Chicken out a suicide. I, I identify as a suicidal chicken. I don't know about you guys, how many guys? have chickened out a suicide before. You don't have to uh, out yourselves, it's fine. Um, yeah, I think that nobody laughed because suicide isn't funny and that's why we don't get that joke. Suicide isn't funny. A really good trans friend of mine, like we were <laughs> really close uh, recently, he also uh, took his life. And one time he was gonna commit suicide, he was feeling really down, and his boyfriend did the very worst thing that anyone could do, and that's call the police and say, hey, 
this person is about to commit suicide. So here he is in Iowa. He's walking in the in the snow. He doesn't know this, but these cops just start following him. Like, oh, we got a call. We got a call. He's like, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, am I being detained? What's going on? They tackled him and tased him and threw him in jail for resisting arrest because he wanted to commit suicide because suicide is a crime that's why you commit suicide isn't that kind of fucked up it's like he's at the lowest low point in his life and they're like you know what we'll make you teach you not to be depressed we're just gonna throw you in jail and tase you and not listen to you when you're trying to tell you tell us your rights like yeah anyway uh this is a this is a hard set to do. <laughs> I'm like, should I do my jokes or should I just like talk about uh, this real shit? I don't know. Uh, I don't like the things that people like like uh, I don't like the things that people say. The cliches, you know, like um, they say that suicide is a permanent solution to a temporary problem. Have any of you guys heard that? I hate that. I hate it because that just makes it sound okay. You know, like, oh, I'll never have this problem ever again. Yeah, all I have to do is die. That's cool. And, uh, oh, wait, there's someone I was going to add to that. <laughs> um, anyway, yeah, committing suicide, suicide. Oh, yeah, they're like, so if suicide is not the answer is the other one, right? Suicide is not the answer. Well, what's the answer? Because I hope it's not the opposite of suicide, because then we have homicide, right? And I think a lot of people today have taken that route. Um, that's why I can't, um, it's really hard for me to turn down white guys for dates, because I don't want to be responsible for the next mass shooting. Um, it's putting a lot of pressure on me. Yeah. <laughs> So, do you guys uh, remember where you were when you first decided that suicide was an option? Anyone? You were six? I think seventh grade? Yeah, I know. It's probably not a question you were. I, I remember it. I'm not even doing any of my jokes. <laughs> I remember it. I remember being about six and watching um, the movie Robin Williams is in it. Uh, <laughs> no, not Patch Adams. Yes. Yes, and uh, his wife was trying to kill herself to be with her dead loved ones, right? I'm watching with my mom. I'm like, Mom, what is she doing? And she was like, she's trying to kill herself. And I didn't have, like, a concept for it. I'm like, she, we can just do that? Like, we could just decide that, like, and then, like, getting a little bit older and realizing, like, the, the patterns of, like, oh, I want to die now, blah, blah, blah. And, like, at such a young age, like, that's probably not healthy. But I think that every human, whether we realize it or not, is slowly trying to kill themselves with something. Like something, whether it's fast food, or whether it's like going to the tanning bed too much, working out too much, having risky behaviors. So like, as I'm older, I decided that like, instead of just killing myself an easy way, I can do it a way more creative way, you know? like get a backpack, go to a truck stop, stick my thumb out, go to the next town. Like, it's like, if I die, I don't care. I wanted to die anyway, right? At least I'll have an adventure on the way. I've never done that on stage before, but <laughs> it felt good to let that out. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, new creative ways to kill yourself. And like, I would much rather, 
have someone get a phone call saying that like I was on a school bus full of hippies and dogs and it flipped on the side and it was a big tragedy then just like oh she was sad one day and just like gave up you know but I I get it like um I get it uh I don't know how how much time do I have <laughs> anyway suicidal chicken I could do my real material. You guys want to hear some other jokes? <laughs> Just line it up. Uh, I used to watch what I eat. Then they stopped letting me babysit. All this talk about battered children. I still like mine plain. I'm starting to look at dick pics as the same as like when a cat brings me a dead animal. <laughs> I want to make a grinder for lesbians to meet and call it bush meat, you know, like hunting for that wild game. I have my dog's balls removed. He's been chasing after every ball he sees ever since. Uh, in high school, I was called an emo kid. I don't know if you guys were young enough for that. <laughs> I don't know if you guys did that in high school, had emo kids. They called me that. Uh, it was a thing, but like that was just a phase, you know, I graduated and I became a depressed adult, you know, like everyone else. It's fine. Uh, I just want to say that it doesn't matter what's between anybody's legs, what color skin they are, where they come from. You could be nice to people. You could be nice to people and it doesn't cost anything. And it's fine. And if you see someone doing really well, like maybe they got a shout out by Dave Chappelle, maybe they got to open it for him. Instead of like being down on them and pointing out their flaws or saying, you only got this because of this thing. Like, why not just fucking congratulations. We're all part of the same team. We're, we're entertaining the same people. Fuck. Yeah, you did it. You know, like fucking be nice to people. Um, cause you don't know what they're going through. And, uh, that's all I want to say. Thank you, Rachel. Give it up for Rachel. Yeah. Yes. Be nice to people. Celebrate because one success is everybody's success, right? Instead of like festering inside and being like, oh, they got it. Okay, I'm not gonna like that. Fuck it. And then something bad happened. Oh, the poor thing. You know, that's such hypocrisy. You know, the self uh, commiseration. Like, no, we are here all to succeed. If one of us succeeds, then we all succeed because each other brings inspiration. We bring, like, something to look forward to. It's like, fuck it. Let's, let's do this thing. It's possible, you know? Yeah. So anyway, we got more comedian to love and uh, been feeling good with. And the next one, we have Matt. You want to be next, since I put Eve as a last. She wanted to close, so I was like, let's wait until Matt comes and... Uh, oh, okay, yes. Then, since I didn't see you early, that's it. We got two more comedians and then uh, actually three. And so, would you like to be our next comedian? Sure. Yes, darling, are you ready? And, um, can I, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and it's Eric. 
Eric Cash, that's right. The, oh, it's gonna be fun with Eric Cash. Come on, stay driving. Thank you. I have had more awkward intros than that. I actually don't know if I have. I have a lot of head injuries, and I've been a comedian for 15 years, so I'm assuming that there's been one that's been more awkward than that. That was fun. People always ask me to do these shows where we talk about some some mental health, and I mean, I know why. <laughs> I'm not even gonna pretend that part's a fucking secret. It's always rough though, because like you just invite a bunch of comedians to try and memorialize someone who was a part of our community. And then we're all dicks, so we just say a bunch of triggering shit on stage, and I'm like, this is, God, we suck. <laughs> we suck so bad, and I'm going to do it too. I'm not, like, calling you guys out. <laughs> I just, uh, I'm Eric Cash. I'm a crazy person. I'm, like, I'm a legitimate one. Like, I have paperwork and stuff. Like, <laughs> like a plate from the Franklin Mint. I fucking hang it on my wall, my certificate of authenticity. <sighs> My IOP paperwork. If you've been to the hospital, you know what IOP is. I, uh, I fucking, yeah, I've committed myself. Because, uh, suicide's a fucking thing. It really, like, I actually, I actually hate, uh, I hate that phrase, it's a permanent solution to a temporary problem, too. I don't hate it for the same reason that you do, t either, though. I hate it for the fucking sheer arrogance of people thinking that your problems are temporary. <laughs> I'm kind of old, like, I've been around a long time. It means I have, like, more dead friends, and I have fingers and toes. And I will guarantee you that 90% of the people that I know that have taken themselves out, their problem was fucking capitalism. So don't tell me it's a fucking permanent solution to a temporary problem. We live in a world that's fucking crushing people daily. Here we are in San Francisco, and you get to watch people that make six figures a year step over people dying in the streets while holding their nose. It's a temporary solution. Shut the fuck up. The whole world is fucked. There's a reason that people are taking themselves out and people are taking other people out. That's your society is sick. Like, can we not, can we stop telling people that they're sick when they're just trying to do the best they fucking can in a sick world? Every person that I know that's taken themselves out is somebody I would much rather have along. There's a couple out there. Every once in a while, a capitalist or a cop takes themselves out and fuck them. But seriously, there's most people that do it are people that I would rather have around and it's not because they're sick it's not people are like oh it's it's depression and depression is this people love to define depression that's my favorite thing people are always like this is what depression is shut the fuck up like no one knows what depression is no one knows why we just existentially just feel fucking awful after three million years of evolution there's not an answer for it you know we <laughs> built the tower of Babel metaphorically of course but we can't figure out what the fuck depression is. Stop defining it. Stop telling people what depression is. It's fucking whole. You know what depression is? Depression is something to mark down on your insurance when they're treating you. That's all it is. It's all the DSM is for. I'm for mental health treatment because I'm fucking nuts. 
but I don't think it's good. You know what I mean? <laughs> that you understand what I mean but like, by that. Like I, I, it should be there, but it sucks. It sucks. It's not good. You know, like maybe one of these days it will be good. It's, it advances, but fucking psychiatry is like, like you're an atheist and the only thing more arrogant than an atheist is a fucking psychiatrist. <laughs> the only thing on the face of the fucking planet. I'd much rather talk to a flat earther. It really... <laughs> like, try that. Like, if you struggle with your mental health a lot, and you're like, I've called the suicide hotline, and that's not fucking working, and then I went to the fucking hospital, and that didn't do shit for me. All they did was make sure that I couldn't kill myself, so I sat there even more miserable with no way to address the fucking problem. If you're like that, like, mental health is, just talk to a flat earther, and it's, have you heard that thing about trees they're into? Go down a flat earth, like you're just fucking, no, this is beautiful. Keep telling me this story. It's awesome. Every once in a while, they veer into Nazi territory, so get away from that real quick. But when they're like, Mesa, Arizona is the base of a giant tree, and what you know of is trees are not real trees. They're actually saplings, and trees used to be thousands of feet tall. You're like, fuck, I don't care how crazy you are. Keep going. This is good. Is someone going to ride a polar bear? I am fucking in, man. Like, I spent my entire childhood escaping reality through fantasy novels. Please tell me about the trees. Crazy person. I'm into it. Fucking, and you have to admit, even if you're an atheist, it's way more interesting than listen to someone tell you that because they were 20 by the time that they figured out that God isn't real, that they know more about astrology than everybody else. <laughs> Fucking atheists are obnoxious. No offense. You guys just suck. <laughs> They're always like that. I never met an atheist that wasn't somebody that believed in God until way longer than they should have. Like atheists cracked me up because they like they they like went to the hardware store, bought a bunch of wood, and built a pulpit to tell everyone that Santa isn't real. Yeah, I get it. The magic white man in the sky isn't real, and now you know everything about everything. Come on, you're a fucking atheist. Calm the fuck down, okay? <laughs> I'm just babbling. No, no, this is my material. I don't even remember my material. Oh, yeah. Crazy person. Let's talk about the last time Eric went to the hospital. That was fun. So <coughs> I had a bunch of really bad shit go down, and I was, like, super nuts for, like, a selection of years. Like, um, there were a specific selection of years. I could tell you which ones. I will, actually. They were 2012 to uh, 2016. I was super crazy. I don't remember most of that time. Like my memories are basically like I was wandering through a haunted house with an intermittent uh, strobe light. You know, it's just like bink. Oh, this one time I slept in a bush because I forgot I had a house. And bink. Oh, I have no idea what state this happened in. And people like going, "Hey, Cash, remember that time that we first met and we spent like six hours up on a rooftop discussing Gurdjieff?" And I'm like, "Nope, I don't remember that at all." And as a matter of fact, I haven't told any of you this, but I don't know how I met any of you. I've just been rolling with the fact that you seem friendly. <laughs> <coughs> That's how nuts I was for a while, and uh, and so. Uh, so uh, it got it got real fucking bad, and uh, and I went to the hospital, which was total horseshit. Um, the, uh, speaking of how mental health treatment fucking works, when I when I committed myself 
They just give you, they just, you know what trazodone is? They just give everybody trazodone. That's all they do. No, that's the opposite of trazodone. Trazodone, like I do, I have done so many fucking drugs and trazodone is the dumbest fucking drug you can do. Trazodone just exists to make you easy to manage. It doesn't help somebody that's sick. All it does is make you really tired but you can't really sleep and you just kind of wander around dazed. Um, I'm gonna go slightly long because I'm gonna wrap this up. Uh, <laughs> they gave me a bunch of trazodone and 15 separate times, five people with clipboards walked in and asked me what brought me there. And they didn't do anything else. They just kept doing that. And so uh, they'd come in and they'd go, well, I have, I have, I have post-traumatic stress disorder. And they'd go, oh, okay, you have post-traumatic stress disorder. What brought that on? This happened 15 times. You're don it's dawning on you, the problem with this statement. <laughs> Until finally, in my trazodone haze, I sat up in my paper clothes and I looked at them. And I said, do you know what the chief defining symptom of post-traumatic stress disorder is? It's living through something that you then relive over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. And you dip fuck med students have walked in here 15 times, all of you with clipboards, asked me, what gave you post-traumatic stress disorder? I then relived it in order to tell your dumb ass, all of you wrote down what on your clipboards, walked out, and then did it again in an hour. What the fuck is wrong with you, and what are you writing on your clipboards? Why do you keep coming in here and asking me this? Give me money. That's what I need. Do you have money? I literally said this. I was like, capitalism is what's killing me. Can you give me money? And the lady, the lady just went, like her whole face went white. And I was like, seriously, what are you writing on the clipboards? And can you give me money? And she went, uh, and I was like, I'm going to check myself out now. If I die, it's definitely not your fault. And I left. Because I'm a dick. I'm not going to do anymore. Thank you guys for listening. My name is Eric Cash. Have a good night. Thank you, Eric. That was awesome. Eric Cash. Yes, you guys. Um, yeah, I've been uh, not much in the hospital for medication and uh, attempt suicide, but for other things. I think San Francisco have got me to become a totally different stressed out person, like more than ever before. And it took all my hair, by the way, it took all my patience, it took my virginity, and many things. And it gave me PTSD, like with breaking into my car. Yeah, that was one thing. Yeah, like that one, one of the worst thing here in this town is, is the parking department. Besides drugs and homelessness, but the parking department is one of the worst. It gives you a serious problem if you have a car. Yeah, like almost like in the sun, in the morning you want to go suicidal. Um, for real. Look, uh, you guys, we have more comedian coming. We have one of our headliner coming. His name is Matt Gupser. Gupser? Yes, yes, here we go. Give it up for Matt. Yep, sir. Thank you, Doc. All right, here we go. I just want to say right off the top that I don't believe in depression. I'm a flat mooder. 
Oh, man. Uh, depression can be funny. Like, my family jokes about my dad's suicide all the time. Like, uh, I'll be talking to my sister, be like, how your class go? Oh, you dropped it? Well, maybe if you were a better student, dad wouldn't have killed himself. How did you, you got fired from your job? Ah, if you were a better worker, maybe dad would still be here. The funniest part about that is my dad did not kill himself. So it's just me being an asshole. Uh, my brother killed himself, but we don't joke about that. It's very sensitive. Ah, <laughs> uh, depression's so much fun. Ah. Uh, How are you guys doing? You guys all depressed? I assume everyone here is depressed. This feels like a show where everyone is depressed. Like that. <laughs> Most of the time you have to send a clip uh, to get on a show and not just like a list of symptoms. Uh, <laughs> you want to do a show about depression and suicide next Friday? I don't know. I haven't gotten out of bed in two weeks. I'll try. i fucking... We'll see. <laughs> if I'm still here, then why the, what the hell? Why the hell not? <laughs> oh, man. It's, uh, I feel like uh, last month was a really good month for me. It's like, it's nice most of the time. Like, I have pretty severe bouts of depression probably two or three times a year. And I can always tell in my schedule, like if I have a month where I have like almost no shows booked, I'm like, oh yeah, three months ago I was depressed and I didn't fucking book anything. But it's really nice when like the three month ago depression lines up with the depressed right now so I don't have anything booked and don't have to cancel a bunch of shows. <laughs> it really feels like somebody's looking out for me when that happens. <laughs> oh, why are we here? I'm just in general. I, does anybody know anything? Uh, I do, because I'm an atheist. Uh, <laughs> Eric doesn't remember that we met in an atheist convention. <laughs> if you're nice to him, he doesn't remember you're an atheist. <laughs> That's why we're friends. <laughs> ah. That's a... Uh, Depression sucks. It's, it's my least favorite of the sessions. Uh, <laughs> all the It's such a dumb thing because it's uh, cause people without we've 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 sort of made depression this weird thing where every time anybody feel ever feels sad about anything for five seconds, they're like, "Oh, I'm depressed." No, you're not. You're just sad. It'll pass. You'll be okay in like an hour. Uh, People, people are so stupid. People who've never dealt with mental illness are so stupid about mental illness, because they're like, because most of it, most of the advice you get from people who've never dealt with depression about depression is, uh, why don't you just feel better? <laughs> I've been sad, and then I was like, I'm not going to be sad anymore. Like, why don't you use the, your brain? You know, the part that's supposed to determine your rationality and proper behavior, the part that's not working right. Why don't you use that properly? Oh, your ankle's broken? Have you tried standing up straighter? <laughs> you have to do dialysis. Have you just thought about filtering your blood? Like, think filtering thoughts. That's... <laughs> and also acai berries. Those are fucking magic, right? Yes. 
I should know I'm an atheist. <laughs> I believed in acai berries until I was 23. <laughs> and then somebody was like, they're just fucking blueberries, you idiot. They're jungle blueberries. There's acai everywhere. Acai's everywhere. It's always watching. I hate acai berries. Like if you if I see someone eating acai berries, I automatically assume that person is an idiot. Uh the reason <laughs> is because I my I was in a relationship with someone who was involved with two different multi-level marketing acai berry things. This was an intelligent person who had a, like a graduate degree from a real college, not like from sucking fucking Hogwarts, uh, like alternative medicine school, like a real college, who would too, like, I don't know. There's no, uh, there's no point to that. There's no point to any of this in general. <laughs> and I mean life specifically. Uh, but acai berries are terrible. I mean, probably, I, I assume that's why we're burning down the Amazon. It's just for acai berries. It's like, I'm sorry, your, house, your village is on fire. We need smoothies. <laughs> I, uh, I self-medicate with uh, flaxseed. Big on flaxseed. Exercise. It's sort of fun. There, there are so many different things you can do to help with depression. Like there are... Uh, Omega-3s uh, have been shown to work regular exercise, getting sunlight for at least 30 minutes a day, you know, green leafy vegetables. There are all these millions of things. And there's e they're really easy to do all of those things when you are not depressed. <laughs> and I, <laughs> like when things are good, I'm like, I'm doing all the things. And then it slowly gets worse. And I'm doing less of the things. And then it gets worse. I'm like, I'm doing none of the things. They're too far. <laughs> And the sun is bright. Uh, I've never tried to kill myself, but I've had I've helped friends not kill themselves. That's uh, that's always. Do you don't know what kind of people they were? Don't clap. That's. <laughs> oh man, that's uh, that's a tough one, especially like no, don't kill yourself. Why? You make an excellent point. Ah, that's uh, I don't know. You got me there. <laughs> you really, uh, yeah, I should think about an argument there. I'm like, uh, cause you like acai berries, right? They're, they're still delicious. That's not enough reason to live. Then shit, that's all I got. It's just, I should have gotten to Jamba Juice before I came to rescue you. Could have gone an entirely different way. <laughs> I think it is important to have snacks. Like, you never know if somebody's trying to kill themselves just because they have blo low blood sugar. Uh, that's, that, I don't know if that's been tested, but it's a working hypothesis. That, <laughs> that I, oh, man. Uh, you guys like jokes? Should we tell jokes? Alright. Oh, why? Okay. Uh, this is just an extra dark show. Is that, is, that how, is that how it's been the whole time? I I really hope so, because that's the direction I'm going. Uh, 
Not just on stage, just in general. Uh, uh, yeah, I realized recently that there are a lot of parts of my acts that revolve around genocide, which is not really the niche that I thought about carving myself out comedy-wise, but it seems to be, I guess, not really a lot of fundraisers you do with that. I mean, I, they're at pro probably pretty, pretty well right now, but uh, I don't know if that's really the route I want to go. Oh, man. Um, I have a girlfriend, despite my best efforts. Uh, she's the one that has to deal with this all the time, which is, I, I don't know how she does it. Uh, I, I like to think that I've given her a lot of, she's an amazing person, she really is, and I think it's mostly because of all the practice I've given her. Uh, uh, we've been together, my girl, uh, my current girlfriend and I have been together for about seven years, which is pr probably long enough to stop calling her my current girlfriend. Uh, <laughs> I like to keep her on her toes. Uh, there's not, there's not really a good word for unmarried adults. There's uh, some people like, uh, like boyfriend or girlfriend. That's fucking stupid. That's the dumbest. My girlfriend is like fine when you're like 16. You're like, this is my girlfriend. Sometimes her parents are gone and I touch her boobs. <laughs> but my girlfriend is a 40-year-old woman with a graduate degree and a 401k. Like it's ridiculous to refer to her as a girl. And also friend is a little strong. Uh, <laughs> It's, uh, it's, uh, some people like partner. That's, uh, yeah, yeah uh, it's so clinical. I just, I d this is my partner. We sell insurance. Uh, she handles home. I do auto. We're the number one team in the Tri-County area. They gave us a plaque. Uh, so my emotional support woman and I, we, uh, now it's pretty great. They let me take her into restaurants. Uh, <laughs> We're not married. Uh, I've been married before. It was not my favorite. Uh, it was my least favorite. It was definitely by. It was my marriage was by far the worst period of. I had I had a stretch of my life where, uh, in about five years, I had three members of my immediate family die, uh, and my marriage is still by far the worst part of my life. <laughs> like if I if someone put a gun to my head and was like, "You have to get married again, or we're going to kill three more of your family members," they'd be like, "Which three? Because uh, there's a lot, and like honestly, a couple are redundant. Uh, it's, uh, we're not married. Like neither neither one of us wants to get married. Uh, I think it's because m almost all the people we know who are married are fucking miserable. Like if it's a good thing, like everyone who's married is like, ah, oh, yeah, it's just it's so hard. It's just, you know, it's just like a, you just got to work. You got to work at it. It's like, oh, that doesn't sound like a good thing. Uh, I've been married before, like I said. Um, I know there are people who get married multiple times. Uh, in if that's you when you're listening and you're on your third or fourth or whatever marriage and you're happy, awesome. I admire your optimism. Uh, I never understand how anybody ever takes a second wedding seriously, though. Like you just you call up your favorite minister again, just get all your friends together again. Put on your fanciest clothes again. I go up there, do the vows again. Do you do the same vows? That seems weird. Like you take this woman for better, for worse, for better, for worse. Sickness and health, sickness and health. Death to you part, death to we part. Hey guys, remember when I said all these exact same things? 
to a completely different person who's still alive? <laughs> Some of you know her. <laughs> We're just here for the open bar, right? Okay. Let's get drunk and pretend words are real. Uh, let's oh, man, I worry about my kids. Uh, I think I, a couple of them got, there's some depression that runs in my family. Uh, and a little bit of bipolar, too, but I don't think any of them got that. Uh, just the depression, which, you know, honestly, being depressed and not bipolar, it feels like you sort of missed out. Doesn't it? Like sometimes you're like, man, you get to go through periods where just every thought that pops into your head you think is the most amazing idea in the world. That must be fucking fun. No? Nobody? Okay. That's <laughs> all right. Uh, yeah, I worry about my kids in depression just because, you know, they're dumb. Uh, they're depressed on their dad's side and dumb on their mom's side. Yeah, also their dad's side. But they got my height, so I think that evens out. Um, yeah, they are. I worry about my kids just because of the, the dumbness. My uh, my oldest kid's a freshman in college right now. Uh, she's going to school in New York, which worries me because, you know, she's dumb. Uh, it worries me that she's in dumb in New York. That's what worries me, dumb in New York. New York is a hard place to be dumb. Like, you can be small town dumb, and it's fine because everybody knows you, and they know, like, be careful because she's dumb. Uh, <laughs> I, was, uh, I was talking to her right after she moved out there. I was like, how do you like New York so far, honey? You've been able to, you know, explore the neighborhood at all, go see the city? Uh, and she goes, uh, she goes, yeah, Dad. Uh, I was walking around yesterday. I was walking around the neighborhood, and I met this guy, and he bought me pizza, and then he showed me around New York. I was like... <laughs> Okay, that's probably my fault. Because uh, I know we definitely went over not taking candy from strangers when you were little. Um, I know we covered not taking alcohol from strangers once you got older. I probably just skipped right over pizza from strangers. So uh, that one's on me. You just, uh, you just weren't raised right. And she goes, relax, Dad. Uh, he wasn't a stranger. By the time we had lunch, we we're basically friends. It's like, that is adorable. Uh, but you were not friends, honey. That guy was trying to sleep with you. And she goes, gross, dad. He was 35. <laughs> yeah, that guy's definitely trying to sleep with you. That's, uh, <laughs> did he tell you you were an old soul? Is that? Uh, that's my least favorite part about having daughters, is just having to explain men to them. <laughs> like, I, I know that not all men are bad, uh, but I would also never trust any man who said that. Uh, <laughs> having to explain men to your daughters is like having to tell them that Santa's not real all over again. Just like, honey, I remember when you were little and we told you there was this nice man who used to come into our house and just leave you presents all the time just because he was so nice? That's not true. That guy was trying to sleep with you. Uh, all right. Thanks, guys. Thank you, Matt. Gov, sir. Thank only you. Limited time only, right? Really nice laugh. And now we got our last comedian. But, uh, yes. 
yes, Pam is coming up too in a minute. Yeah, uh, we had our last three comedians at our age use, uh, which is um, you know I was born uh, I was born Catholic, which is another disease, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that really is, especially for women. You know, you become guilty for pretty much everything. You know, but then I realized that I'm not an atheist because you have to be, of course, a believer before you become an atheist. Uh, but I do believe in aliens. I think that, you know, they are the supreme beings that we call gods and all that shit, you know. And I became one of them. I was a doctor, you know, that caused me a lot of depression at some point. But I've learned how to live with that. And now I kind of metabolize it through my system and I go around with a wig to get things looking human. This is also my Halloween costume, by the way, wearing a wig. I look like a normal human, but when I take it off, hey, I look like uh, something else. In the radio, you can't see it, but here the audience already saw me many times, but few of you never did. So here's the little surprise. Go, uh, okay, here you go. Ooh. And the glasses, yeah, look like a weird, um, nerdy alien here with a crop circle all over my head, uh, by the way. Yeah, that's the thing that, by the way, uh, have caused me a ton of fucking depression. But I learned how to live with it. Comedy's been one of the things that really saved my ass and uh, to bring joy again into how I look now. And um, now we got our last comedian and talk. Um, kind of little tech talk, tech talk, no, that's an app. Tech talk about suicide and life and making us laugh. Once again, Eve Mayer coming up on stage. Eve Mayer. Here we go, Eve. Mm-hmm. We're trying to keep the lady. <laughs> hey, wow. Thank you so much. Wow. Usually I, I start out saying, wow, everybody looks like they washed their hair tonight. But it doesn't uh, <laughs> particularly look that way tonight. Um, so you, you just look wonderful, that's all. I thought, let, um, let me explain why she says I'm going to talk seriously about suicide uh, tonight. I spent 30 years working at, I wish Chris was still here, uh, working at uh, San Francisco Suicide Prevention. And, and uh, uh, people say, well, why did you stay there for 30 years? And the answer was, um, like Matt says, uh, stupid, a little bit dumb. I couldn't get it right. Every morning I would get there and I would say, all right, how are we going to get payroll paid and the rent? And I never knew till the end of the day that we would uh, because it was always a little bit dicey. And I could never figure out how we did what we did because we had a hundred volunteers they would come in one by one and two by two and sometimes even three and answer the phone. And we gave them coffee and peanut butter 
and bread. That was it. Why would they do that? Why would they come in and sit there for four hours and talk to other people who were miserable just for coffee and peanut butter and bread? And it upset me. So every day I would be there and I would meet them at the top of the stairs, you know. I have this cane, by the way. This is my emotional support cane. <laughs> um, I, I've been taking it around trying to introduce it to as many different experiences as, as possible because it's very emotional and they get scared easily. So I'm going to I'm going to lean it over here now cuz it's met all of you. So I would meet them at the top of the stairs and I would say to them, "Thank you so very much for coming in." You know, and everybody would look at me like I I was crazy or something. They would say, don't worry about it, okay? And about four hours later, I would be back at the top of the stairs and I would meet more volunteers and I would say, thank you so very much for coming here today. And the other volunteers, the ones that were finishing their shifts, would be leaving, I'm talking about suicide prevention, it's your friend, um, they would be leaving their shift and they looked completely different. The body language had changed completely. They looked like they had been to the gym, or like, they looked like an, you remember the iPod ads where everybody's going, ah! They looked like that. Ah! They would say, bye! And I thought, you know, something weird happens at suicide prevention. Do they have drugs back there or what? Because everybody looks different when they leave, but they've talked to 25, 30 really miserable people and tried to help them through whatever hump they were going through, that surf that wave of pain, and they look fantastic. What is it? We must have some kind of brain chemical going. So that was the secret that I kept to myself and that thing that kept me going there for about 30 years. And we would talk down 200 people a day and about 500 times every month there would be somebody who needed to go to the hospital but only 75 people ever actually went to the hospital because we would get people talked down. We could get people um, because we weren't mental health professionals. We were just ordinary people. People would say to me, it's so wonderful that someone is doing something about this because some people are very depressed and someone should do something about it. And I would say to them, you know, this is not a someone thing. This is an us thing. The people who need help are people who are sitting next to you. They're in your family. They're in your workplace. They're you sometimes. We, it, we all kind of pass this around. And so we all kind of pass around the ability to take care of each other, which is about as difficult to learn as the polka, 
or um, uh, uh, CPR. Anybody know CPR? You push down on, yeah. So you learn uh, suicide prevention like you learn the CPR. Three steps. Uh, are you feeling suicidal? How are you going to do it? Would you do me a great big favor and give me that thing? Not very difficult. So we would teach people how to do that. We would go out in the community. The hardest people in the world to teach suicide prevention to are police officers. They cannot ask someone for a favor. They want to say, give me that. And you have to say to them, do me a favor. L say to the person, do me a favor and give me that. Uh, because nobody ever makes a very good decision under pressure. Um, on the Golden Gate Bridge, when people would be standing next to the edge of the Golden Gate Bridge, they would run over to the person with their arms flapping up and down and say, don't jump, don't jump, don't jump. What do you think happens? Exactly. There was a guy, um, uh, there was a woman on the Bay Bridge. I don't know if you remember this. There was a newscast about it. She was in a red dress. They couldn't get over she was in a red dress. She was in a red dress standing on the edge of the Bay Bridge. Police officer runs over to her going, don't jump, don't jump, don't jump. She jumps over the edge of it, swims to shore, flags down, a, remember this? Flags down a truck and gets a ride home. Um, but she didn't make the best decision in the world because he ran at her, flapping. So I'm, one of the big things I tried to teach was, all right, first, don't flap. <laughs> uh, second, don't scream. And third, ask for a favor. Ask for a favor. For me. Do this for me. It would upset me very much. It would make me feel much better if you didn't. Do this for me. Let's make a safety plan. Something that can get you through the pain. Because this is about pain. This is not a disease. This is not a failing. This is not something bad you did and I'm better than you are. It's your turn to get hit by the wave. We'll get you through it. I've been through the forest. I know where some of the pathways are. So I was always proud and honored when I could be with people and I could teach them about it because um, I had a grandmother who was uh, very much, uh, she resembled a rhinoceros, let's just put it that way. Uh, she was Jewish like me, and that, that's the genome that we had in our family. And she was in charge of babysitting me, and she didn't like doing that because she'd run a newspaper before that. And so what her approach was, was she wanted to make me take a nap as soon as possible and for as long as possible. And the way she did this was she would read to me, okay? Now, um, what most people do when they're babysitting is they read something like Little Red Riding Hood, Good Night Moon, The Wolf That Did This or That. Not my grandmother. My grandmother read to me from the Talmud. It worked like a charm. I was out cold right away. 
and for quite a while. But there was always one part of the Talmud that just fascinated me. It said, if a person saves a life, it is as if they have saved the entire world. And I would always say to her, Grandmother, what does that mean? What does that mean? If somebody saves a life, is it as if they have saved the entire world? And she would say to me, with her big, sad, rhinoceros eyes, she'd look at me and she'd say to me, how should I know? It's, it means what it says it means, you know? And so I went through an entire lifetime without ever knowing what it meant until I got to suicide prevention. And I found out that it meant when you save a life, you feel like you've saved the entire world. And that's how I always want people to feel because everybody is capable of saving somebody. And everybody can have an opportunity to save somebody. We don't have to leave it up to mental health professionals. They just get charged with it, but they don't always do the best job. And it isn't always about mental health, as everybody has pointed out. It's about pain. And there are 20 jillion kinds of pain in the world. And uh, you've probably known somebody who's had one of them. Anyway, I retired about a year ago. And people said to me, well, now what are you going to do? And I said, well, I guess I'm going to have to do stand-up comedy. <laughs> um, because it's the only thing that's really different from um, suicide prevention. So that's what I started doing. And um, immediately, um, it occurred to me that I was one of three stand-up comics in San Francisco that was over the age of 75. And that, that would, uh, I thank you. That's very sweet of you. But actually, I didn't do anything to do that except go to bed and get up and go to bed and get up a lot. Um, and take some aspirin here and there. Um, but um, people said, why would you do that now? You're so old. Why would you do you know, suicide prevention and then do comedy? And I said, well, you know, when you're this old, the material, you just get out of bed in the morning and you walk to the bathroom and there's 10 minutes worth of material right there. Um, you know, and I have an emotional support cane. I have an emotional support dog. Why did I get one? Because my son got an emotional support dog. Why did he get an emotional support dog? I don't want to know. <laughs> Do I? Uh, but I got an emotional support dog, and he is a half, well, he's a dachshund, golden retrieving dachshund. Uh, he's the only golden dachshund in the world. 
and he is the result of a wild party in which a dachshund and a golden retriever um, met one another, and their families were horrified when it turned out that there was a pregnancy involved, and they shipped the female to San Francisco where it wouldn't be noticed uh, <laughs> for the delivery, and um, the the offspring were adopted immediately, and we have um, the child, the love child, of this doomed relationship <laughs> as our own, and so proud of uh, this wonderful animal, uh, which doesn't really know wh whether he's supposed to be fat and short, or tall and fat and thin, but he's very great. And so all of these things have come together, and I feel like I'm very, very lucky to be able to do both of these things at the same time, but sequentially. And especially, I'm very, very lucky to be here with all of you tonight. I have loved listening and talking with everyone. And I've loved all the talent that's been here, and I've loved being able to do this. It's the biggest honor of my life. Thank you so much. Thank you, Eve Mayer. Thank you. Oh, so sorry. Actually, I'm gonna take your hands and help you. Yes. Yeah. And take Thank the you. cable off and yes. Thank you again, Eve talking about suicide and doing comedy. What a beautiful combo, you know? Yeah, it can be pretty dark. Tomorrow is Dia de los Muertos, by the way. So if you have anyone that died that uh, you want to remember, bring pictures in the altars that's going to be at the park, Garfield Park, here in the Mission. And um, yeah, I want to say one last thing about Daphne, that I met her at a radio station during a radio podcast. And it feels really, really an honor to offer this to her as kind of like a closure or in a memory, memorial for her. And uh, we got now our last comedian, our lovely host, Pam Benjamin. <laughs> Closing that. Thank you. Uh, and these are weed treats. If anybody wants them, take some, pass them around. They're 15 milligrams a piece. You can take one, take two, whatever you want. Uh, there's enough in there for everybody. Yeah, uh, we talked about a lot of depression, suicide. This is a lot of fun. Um, this is a really, um, it's a very important topic to me. It's very personal to me. Um, my Boyfriend, I love that you say that whole thing. I hate to infantilize him by calling him my boyfriend. He's a 35-year-old man. He owns a house, for Christ's sake. He's not a boy. but uh, he, And we've been dating the same amount of time, seven years. But his father killed himself, and it it was devastating, and it still is, and it still affects him. So the people left behind, this is really for uh, Daphne's family. It's really hard. People's lives change. You think, oh, it's all about me, and then you kill yourself, and then there's people left, and you're like, oh, shit. The people really did care. Fuck. Ah! Um, but I have a very, it's very personal to me as well, because when I was 17, I tried to commit suicide. Um, 
I was a super duper Christian, like super duper Christian. And high school was really hard. Everyone knows high school was hard. It was so hard. And I was, I just wanted to be with Jesus. So I was like, I'm going to kill myself to be with Jesus. And I took a bunch of, and funny enough, and I, I don't believe in God now, but supposedly in the middle of the night, angels came to my mother and they're like, go check on your daughter. And she hadn't checked on me in years because I was 17 years old. Who goes and checks on their daughter? And then I had taken all these drugs and she's like, what did you take? And I was like, nothing. And she's like, get in the car. And they took me to the hospital and they pumped my stomach and maybe drink all the black stuff. And the funniest thing was because we were such a religious family, it's the day after I'm still alive. I'm sitting in a room with a psychiatrist, psychologist or whatever. And they're looking at me and they go, why did you try to commit suicide? And I was like, I love Jesus. Life is hard. I just want to be up in heaven with my 12 mansions and Jesus Christ. I just want to be with Jesus. And they were like, okay. And they let me go home. Right? They were like, you're not an insane person. I just thought that was funny because when I was seven, like I wanted to have an invisible friend. I wanted to have an enormous cat that was life-size that I could hold at night and it'd be my best friend. And they're like, no, you can't have a cat, but you can talk to a perpetually 33-year-old zombie for the rest of your life. He'll sit on your bed and be like, I love you, little girl. And I'm like, I know. I talk to Jesus all the time. I was so jealous. Like Jesus loves all the little children, not just me. I mean, I'm a narcissist. Jesus is supposed to love just me. He loves everyone. Tried to get to heaven to be with Jesus. The psychiatrists are like, yeah, that sounds about right. That's fine. <laughs> Go home with your parents. <laughs> it, was, it was funny. But we got Chinese food that night because my parents didn't want to talk about it. And they're like, have some Chinese food. And I was like, my hands are still numb. I didn't know that like 60 aspirin and Advil could do that. It's fun. It was that um, I took so many Advil and so many ibuprofen. If I would have taken one or the other of the same amount, I'd be dead. But because I took both, something weird happened. And now I have kidney stones. Yeah! That's so great. Diet Coke and trying to kill myself. That's what gave me kidney stones. It's the worst. <laughs> Things you do to your body actually come back to haunt you. Ha ha ha! You know, fun suicide attempts. It's good. No, um, suicide's a weird thing, and especially for comedians, we're all real sensitive people. We're all incredibly sensitive, and um, I have no idea what Daphne was going through, but I'm sure that it was incredibly difficult to be in a body that you didn't feel like that was your body, and then you made your body the way you wanted your body to be, but then the world is like, your body isn't good enough, or it's this way, or it's whatever. Like, I get enough pressure just being a lady. <laughs> like, just like, gender. I was like, hey, here I am, like... Like all the, all we have to do to like impress the whole world, right? Like in 1904, if you flashed a hairy ankle, you were like a disgusting slut and the whole world was like, don't do that, you weird slutty girl. And now, you know, if you don't shave from your big toe to your twat like a four-year-old girl, you're like a disgusting slut, but no one wants to sleep with you. They're like, look at that gross bitch over there. She's dirty and doesn't shave, ugh. It's, but it's all Gillette, it's all money, it's all capitalism. Like they were like, oh, men aren't buying razors, you know who will buy them? Women, women will buy, make the women shave, ha ha ha. It's the, Gillette was the craziest, you know, it used to be like, don't shave your beard because that makes you a man. But then they were like, if you don't shave your beard, you look poor, ha! And then, then they were like, make women buy razors, ah. Did you guys hear about the new Gillette razor? It has 17 blades. 
I know, for the closest shave. And the 13th blade is easily removable, uh, so you can slit your throat in the shower. Because you'll never be good enough. You'll never, it doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter if you shave, or pluck, or like laser, or wear makeup. That's the crazy thing, is like women have to buy and wear all this makeup. When women spend $100 on makeup, they better fucking look pretty. You spent $100, (laughs) like what are you? I don't have $100 to spend on anything, let alone makeup. To make myself good enough for the world. It's it's hard, you know? My mom used to say that to me when, when I was little. She'd be like, I just can't leave the house without putting on my face. I was like, put on your face. The kids don't have to put on their faces. No, she'd always be, she'd be like, I just can't get out of the house without pull, putting on my face. And I'm like, what, is someone going to like razz you? They're going to heckle you at the market? Like, look at that bitch with no lips over there. Like, she's weird. Like, you've got to put on the face. It's getting older sucks. Uh, menopause is uh, d- depressing. D- did did they talk about it 30 years ago? Did anybody ever talk about it? They never talked about it. They still don't talk about it. I know you're like, don't talk about it with me. I don't want to tell anybody about it. No, I'm going through a perimenopause right now. Like, I'm, I guess I'm out of eggs. <laughs> Yay! Like, the one, the one great thing about going through menopause is I never have to have another abortion. I'm like, yeah! <laughs> Yes. Also, my underwear have never been happier. Like, I haven't had my period in three months, and it's amazing. I can wear sexy underwear with no problem. I'm like, ain't nothing coming out of this. It's like dry. It's great. Sexy underwear, here we come. It's it's weird, though. My hormones are changing. No one talks about it. No one tells you. Nobody gave me that. No one was like, hey, it's coming. Do you know? It's coming up. It's going to freak you out. You're going to get all weird like you're a 14-year-old girl again, except there's nothing happening, and, the, and you've got wrinkles. The only other good thing about getting old is that my eyesight is degenerating to such a point that I'm beer goggling myself. Like, I look fucking great. I look in the mirror. I'm like, I look good. What happened to those wrinkles? I can't see them at all. It's because I'm blind. Like, I can't, I can't even pluck my own eyebrows anymore because I can't see them. I can't pluck anything. It's terrible. It's, it's wonderful. Who cares? Like, oh, look, I'm old now. Yay. I'm not. You're 75. That's amazing. It's like trying to live that long. I'm like, whoa. <laughs> you should get like a, like a lay every day, like some kind of wreath of flowers. Like, you did it. You're still here. I'm surprised every day that I still make it because I'm doing comedy. No, it's, it's, it's great. Uh, San Francisco, comedy is, comedy is weird because we are all really sensitive people and narcissists and walking around the hubris of us. Like, I'm going to get up on stage with nothing except a microphone and entertain everyone. <laughs> like, it's like this weird flip side of like, I have a huge ego. I have no ego. I hate myself. I love myself. Ah, they call, they, I, they used to, they call it depression now or whatever. I just, I just call it hating myself. I'm like, I've been doing it so well for years. It's fine. Don't worry. I don't, I don't, I, I, I like myself now. I had a, I, I was really problematic in high school because I was like bulimic and weird and I was like, nobody loves me and it's so weird. And it's great because I still fit into my cheerleading costumes and back then I thought I was so fat and now I fit into my cheerleading costumes and I'm like perspective. It's kind of everything. <laughs> I really thought I was an enormous human being. It's all perspective. And that's the thing about suicide, too, is it's perspective. Like, okay, things feel weird and bad now, and it's like I'm sitting with it, and you got to sit with it and be like, okay, I'm still alive. And then you take a big bong rip, and you're like, I feel so much better. <laughs> Anybody else use weed for depression? Yay. 
Anybody else stoners in here? You guys are you stoners? Kind of you? Anyone gets so, so high that you forget how your own shower works? Just me. Am I old and forgetful, or is it the weed? It's, it's like airbnb in your own home. It's like, hot, cold, ah, what's going on? Why is there cat litter everywhere? What am I, how much am I paying a day for this place? Cat hair everywhere. Cat, my cat, he, I have this special litter, and I sing him this song, because he likes to play in the litter box. I don't know why. And it goes, cat castles made of sand. Anyways, okay. <laughs> he makes him into a little pile. I love my cat. I, my cat is the one thing that keeps me from killing myself. I love my cat so much. I'm a crazy cat lady, but not in the way you think. I want to take my cat. I want to shave him. I want to knit a sweater out of his fur. And I want to make him wear it. Yeah. <laughs> That's because I am a crazy cat lady. This has been a lot of fun. I hope people donate online. We're going to keep those links up for uh, Daphne's family and be pushing them around. Also for San Francisco suicide prevention because it is the only death that's 100% preventable. Every other death in the world, it could be an accident, it could be in war, it could be, you know, there's a purpose, but the, it's the one death that's absolutely 100% preventable. So talk to your friends, talk about it. I know, talk about it on stage. Like, I know it's scary and weird, but like, you know, it's something that I, I think that people usually, usually regret. I didn't watch that bridge movie because it's too scary for me, but I, there was the one person they said that jumped off and survived, and he's like, I'm really glad I'm alive. So it's one of those things that like, you know, smoke some pot. <laughs> don't, don't do it. There's... We get a, Trump's going to kill us all anyway. So just wait, just wait for the civil war. All right. Just don't do it yourself. You got to fight for the cause. Is that too political? There's a new, they all end it with this. A bunch of comedians have been saying this at the end of their sets. And I'm just going to start saying it too. And I don't know if you were the one that started it or you were, and I don't even know if you're part of it, but I saw it the other night a bunch. So I'm just going to say it. 9-11 was an inside job. Thank you. I'm Pam Benjamin. Yay. Alessandra. Yay. Thank you, everybody. Yeah, everybody, thank you for coming. This was a great show. We had a very nice comedian and nice thoughts, nice ideas about how not to kill yourself and why you shouldn't, and uh, also why you should stay alive. Because you're going to come back like a three-legged dog, exactly. So that's the problem. You don't want to, like, go away. You know, and then come back something even worse. And then come back worse and worse. It's like, no way. Anyway, guys, that was really good to see you all. Good night. Bye, bye. Bye, bye. Placed and assist you with your damaged gear too. We're by your side every step of the way. With the Law Tigers, you never ride alone. If you're injured in a motorcycle accident, call 1 800 Law Tigers or visit us on the web at lawtigers.com. The Law Tigers, California's motorcycle lawyer. Victor Harris, Harris Law Firm, LLP, 180 Permanent Circle, Suite 300, Sacramento, California, 95834. San Francisco, you need radio. San Francisco, you need radio.
listen on the go. Listen to live streaming radio. Or download a podcast and you can listen on the go. San Francisco Mutiny Radio. San Francisco Mutiny Radio. MutinyRadio.fm Why not make a donation? MutinyRadio.fm Streaming live the station. MutinyRadio.fm District of the Mission. MutinyRadio.fm MutinyRadio.fm Listen to live streaming radio. Or download a podcast and you can listen on the go. San Francisco MutinyRadio.fm. Hit the donate button, stream them live, download a podcast, have some fun! Michael Spiegelman. And I am Carl, not Spiegelman. Join us every Sunday, 2 to 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on MutinyRadio.fm for... Let's watch a full-length movie on... YouTube. We watch the best movies that... Uh, aren't they good? Well, they're chosen by uh, Here's you. his theme song again. Bye. Okay, bye. Watch Apply now for the Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival 2020 coming up March 1st through 7th, 2020. But you can apply now through November 30th. 50 shows in seven days, over 50 comics from all around the U.S., and you could be one of them. Go to the Mutiny Radio website, www.mutinyradio.fm. Click the Apply button. Pay that 20 bucks. Donate to Mutiny Radio and apply with your five-minute video to the Mutiny Radio 5th Annual Comedy Festival coming up March 1st through 7th, 2020. Submissions close November 30th. Get those submissions in now. Billy Bob, you ever want to be funny? 
Well, my dogs think I'm funny, Daryl. Well, I mean, you ever want to be, like, in front of an audience? Like, other than, like, squirrels, dogs, and dead persons? Well, Law Tigers, we fight for motorcyclists. We're not just motorcycle lawyers, we're part of the riding community. Law Tigers watches over riders. If you're injured in a motorcycle accident, we'll help you get your motorcycle repaired or replaced and assist you with your damaged gear too. We're by your side every step of the way. With the Law Tigers, you never ride alone. If you're injured in a motorcycle accident, call 1-800-LAW-TIGERS or visit us on the web at lawtigers.com. The Law Tigers, California's motorcycle lawyer. Victor Terrace, Harris Law Firm, LLP, 180 Permanent Circle, Suite 300, Sacramento, California, 95834. Michael Spiegelman. And I am Carl, not Spiegelman. Join us every Sunday, 2 to 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on MutinyRadio.fm for the Let's Watch a Full Length Movie on YouTube. We watch the best movies that, uh, aren't they good? Well, they're chosen by uh, Here's you. his theme song again. Bye. Okay, bye. Watch a full length movie on YouTube with 
Apply now for the Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival 2020 coming up March 1st through 7th, 2020. But you can apply now through November 30th. 50 shows in seven days, over 50 comics from all around the U.S., and you could be one of them. Go to the Mutiny Radio website, www.mutinyradio.fm. Click the Apply button. Pay that 20 bucks. Donate to Mutiny Radio and apply with your five-minute video to the Mutiny Radio 5th Annual Comedy Festival coming up March 1st through 7th, 2020. Submissions close November 30th. Get those submissions in now. Billy Bob, you ever want to be funny? Well, my dogs think I'm funny, Daryl. Well, I mean, you ever want to be, like, in front of an audience? Like, other than, like, squirrels, dogs, and dead peasants? Oh, shoot. From time to time, I've been giving it a thought of two. You know, if you go to Joke Workshop, there's more than two peoples paying attention to your jokes, and they ain't even gonna be jerks about it. Daryl, are you serious? I can get people to listen to my jokes. And they'll even say nice things to you before they tell you how to get improvements. No way. What is this dang nabbit thing called? It's Joke Workshop. Joke Workshop? Yep, every Monday, 6 to 8 p.m. on the Mutant Radius. So you're saying I could tell my jokes every Monday from 6 to 8 that's what I'm saying. It's the Joke Workshop Mondays, 6 to 8 p.m. at the Mutant Radius. Yahoo! Hungry for a burger? Mutiny Radio thinks you'll find the best burger in San Francisco at Counter Offer, located inside Bender's Bar and Grill. Counter Offer's menu aims to please your drunk face. Tater tots are served daily. On Tuesday nights, Counter Offer serves specials off the Taco Bell menu, only better. You can enjoy your favorite Taco Bell item without the guilt. Counter Offer uses only fresh ingredients and never store-bought shit. Special ingredients are made from scratch daily, including beans, ketchup, mustard, habanero sauce, and ranch dressing. Counter Offer even serves vegan mac and cheese. All of this great food is served 2 p.m. to 10 p.m. daily and until 11 p.m. on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Counter Offer is located inside Bender's Bar and Grill at 806 South Van S. Be sure to tell them Mutiny sent you. Counter Offer, baby. Are you tired of swimming through a sea of podcasts? Are ye on a raft without a patter? Well, gather around me, sea dogs, and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of MutinyRadio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice, LGBTQ-friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk, MutinyRadio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shitface McRat. (laughs) 
subliminal SF visual and auditory mind control brings you the best, coolest t-shirt and hoodie designs and mind-bending local bands and shows at venues all over San Francisco and the Bay Area. Subliminal SF is here to destroy your sense of normalcy and plant ideas in your skull to make you cooler and a more awesome person. Check out all the badass products at subliminalsf.myshopify.com. That's subliminalsf.myshopify.com. And experience Subliminal SF. in San Francisco comedy scene. Maybe you want time to do jokes. Well, this is the place to do it. Mutiny Radio. We have three open mic a week just for you. Monday's joke workshop from 6 to 8. Come and get four minutes and four minutes of commentary from your comedian peers. Come on Fridays for happy hour 6 to 8 here at Mutiny Radio. All the comics wonderful hilarious people in the scene get to know them hang out do a set have it recorded here 